I'm Paul Levinson, and welcome to Light On, Light Through, episode 104. Well, I've been a bad boy. I haven't done an episode of Light On, Light Through in more than a year. And I'm sure there are at least one or two people out there, maybe three or four, who are really disappointed. So I decided to do this episode right now. And what better subject of a Light On, Light Through episode than a review of The Affair? I already reviewed all of season one of The Affair about a year and a half ago. And now I'm going to review all of season two. Seems like a good idea because in just a few days, season three will be debuting on Showtime. Now, just to let you know what you're going to hear, each of these reviews were written about an hour or two, maybe the next morning at most, after the affair, the episode of The Affair had aired on Showtime. So these are pretty close to contemporaneous reviews of The Affair. And what that means is that when I'm reviewing episode 2.1, I won't know, and I didn't know at the time that I did that review, what was going to happen in episode 2.2, 2.3, and so on. And one other thing, I tended to give my reviews names. And you'll find my reviews of the affair, of the first two years and the forthcoming reviews of the new third season, on my infiniteregress.tv blog. In any case, I'll put that link into the podcast notes, and I'll definitely say it again before this podcast concludes. But now, let's begin with my review of The Affair 2.1, which I entitled Advances. The Affair resumed last night with a strong episode as vibrant in its emotional tone as in its New York environs cinematography, just as it was last year, which is to say, excellent and welcome indeed. Now, one of my favorite threads of this already very literate series is Noah's travail as an author, which nabs the reality of traditional publishing about as accurately as I've ever seen on television. Noah needs money. How can that be, given the advance he received for his new book was in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, as he tells the perpetually unimpressed Helen? Well, as his editor Harry, also perfectly cast, explains to Noah, the advance will be paid out in multiple parts. The first part on signing the publishing contract, which Noah already received, and then on acceptance of the manuscript for publication, etc., etc. The gist, as every published author other than Stephen King knows all too well, is that Noah won't be rich, not even able to live too comfortably on that first part of his advance. Harry also grasps perfectly and conveys to Noah what an ending of a story should do. It should be surprising when you first encounter it, but be thoroughly predictable when you consider it in retrospect. 
This assessment may be slightly more on target than what most authors get from their editors, their agents, and others in the business. But it's great to see it delivered to Noah anyway. The affair is going so well that I don't even like thinking about it ending and can only hope it's a long way off from a stunning and, in hindsight, inevitable final curtain for the series. Meanwhile, in episode 2.1, we get a departure from last year's narrative norm with no Allison point of view in either the first or second hour, but Helen in the second half hour instead. This was a good segment, too, showing Helen, from her point of view, of course, to be a lot more considerate of Noah than she is in his perspective. This becomes especially clear in the last scene, where she hires a top-notch lawyer to defend Noah. But, you know, I miss Allison's vision, and I'm looking forward to that and more of the story next week. The Affair 2.2. Loving a Writer. Well, I was going to wait a week until next Sunday to watch the next episode of The Affair, but I realized there may not be showtime where I'll be, So I watched episode 2.2 last night instead on Showtime On Demand, and I'm glad I did. It was superb, continuing its compelling mix of great acting, cinematography, and storyline with Allison's and Cole's stories this time. The affair this season will be presenting four points of view, not only Noah and Allison, but Helen and Cole, and so far that's enriched the story. Joshua Jackson's performance as Cole in 2.2 was Emmy-worthy. The subtle, under-the-surface, powerful, but contained display of hurt, hate, pain, love, fatigue with the world, and in that last scene, just a hint of satisfaction at seeing Noah charged in court, well, all of that was just masterful. This was about the best performance I've ever seen of a man, after his wife has left him. Of course, Cole is nothing but considerate to Allison in his take, in contrast to being disruptive, even frightening, in her rendition of the same story. Ruth Wilson also puts in a fine performance, down to the expression in her eyes when Noah comes home after the lousy day in New York City that we saw in episode 2.1. After he grouses and leaves the room, The camera twice shows Allison looking at something with concern, uncertainty, and a touch of bracing in her eyes. Perfect camera work. And it turns out that's Noah, who apologizes and takes Allison in his arms. The love they feel for each other is vibrant. Allison's day in the vivid green of Cold Spring, New York, is notable in other ways, especially with Yvonne, who gets off one of the best lines in the episode, remarking to Allison that it's a, quote, horrible thing to love a writer, unquote. Allison learns that Yvonne is head of Bradford Publishing. Are they Noah's publisher? Probably. We know that Harry, Noah's editor, arranged for Nora and Allison to stay in the beautiful house in the country, which we now learned is owned by Yvonne and her husband. There are important connections to be explored. 
There's poetry in almost every scene of this drama, including in the taxi with Cole driving Noah's soon-to-be erstwhile father-in-law who paints an appealing picture of how Montauk, Long Island used to be, getting Cole to almost roll his eyes in the front seat, including, quote, the way the ocean changes like a moody woman. Another good quote. A hallmark of great narrative is how even the minor characters are memorable. And the affair has all of that, and I'm looking forward to more. The Affair 2.3, The Half Wolf. A superb episode of The Affair tonight, 2.3, featuring Noah and Allison and a standalone story in Allison's Half Hour about Robert's half-wolf, Pete, who in many ways captures perfectly the spirit of the entire narrative. Pete is half wild, runs away from home, and kills a bunch of innocent chickens. Yvonne, who never liked Pete much in the first place, wants Robert to do something about this problem, and Robert offers to kill the half-wolf. With Allison by his side, Robert levels his rifle at Pete, But you just know Robert couldn't kill this animal with paws in two worlds, the civilized and the wild. That's because that situation, civilized and wild, is as good a characterization as we might want of Noah and Allison's story. They're tied together by a love, still illicit according to the rules of society, but as true as can be. Noah tells Allison he's been happier in the past six weeks than ever before in his life, and she feels the same. Robert's firing at the sky rather than at Pete must confirm for her in some profound way that what she is doing with Noah is also right, and all the shots being fired at them will miss in the end, too. Meanwhile, we learn some further details about our characters, new and old, in this episode. Yvonne is not Noah's publisher. She's just a friend of Noah's editor, and she likes hosting an author a year in her guest house. Her hostility towards Pete, the way she tries to dominate Robert, makes her another woman as villain in this story. She joins Helen's mother, and even Helen herself, though she seemed a little more sympathetic in her own hour last week, as I mentioned in last week's review. Now, the men in this series are no angels either, to be sure, but the women have a special nasty edge. With the exception of Allison, who, while no pushover, has a winning heart. She's good for Noah now and standing by him in the future. Which brings us back to the question of who killed Scotty. Based on what Noah said tonight, I think we can be pretty sure that he didn't hit and run. But if not Noah, then who? The only thing we can be completely sure of at this point is that it wasn't Pete. The Affair 2.4 Helen at Distraction. Well, the most interesting episode 2.4 of The Affair last night, in which Helen comes across as the most unpleasant we've seen her in this series so far. And the kicker is, the worst of this was shown in Helen's own half hour. 
The setup on the affair up until now is that our characters usually appear more considerate or more sympathetically portrayed in their own 30-minute segments. Certainly Noah usually seems like more of a mensch in his story than he does in Allison's, and Allison a little deeper and more loving in hers than in Noah's segment. Cole's first half hour in the series earlier this season was a real eye-opener. The contrast between him as a hurt and complicated human being in his story was in marked contrast to how he had appeared in Allison's a week before, where he was all but physically threatening. And Helen, well, was more sympathetic in her story in that same episode 2.2 than she'd been any time in the first season. To be sure, Helen's reasons for behaving so badly last night are crystal clear, and they're explicated powerfully by Helen when she asks Noah why he's, quote, doing this, unquote, to her and the kids. Noah is no doubt to blame for leaving Helen and his family in such disarray, but no one, including Noah, forced Helen to drink and drug herself and drive, and even worse, drive the kids. That she made that bad decision is, of course, just another example of how off-kilter the affair has made her. But she still should have known and done better. The kids are also foremost in Noah's story. He, too, is a little reckless in driving the kids to Hither and Yon after he comes to their rescue from Helen. But he was far more in control than was Helen and didn't do anything to endanger them. The kids are the reason he was even willing to spend more time away from Allison. But the hour resolves with Noah now having a great set of cards in his hand for his negotiations with Helen. Meanwhile, Allison, who even tries to help when Noah's son gets sick, is appearing better than ever. I hope we get a half hour for her next week. The Affair 2.5 Golden Cole. Cole continues in his segment of The Affair 2.5 to be by far the most considerate, decent, humane character in the story this season. Cole is nothing but the soul of loving and supportive of Allison when he finds her asleep in his bed at the end of the segment. He's more than willing to talk to her, hug her, sleep with her, figuratively and literally, despite her walking out on him. Now, this makes sense. After all, the segment is, again, from his perspective, even though Helen and her perspective last week was in some ways worse than she has appeared in Noah's narrative. Allison, as a matter of fact, didn't come across in her segment as good and appealing as Cole did in his. Why is she so upset about how Noah wrote about her in his novel? Surely it's no surprise to her that Noah finds her the embodiment of irresistible sex. Sure, I know that most women want to be more than that, but Noah didn't write in his novel that Allison was only that. I guess chalk up my not completely getting why Allison was so upset to my not completely understanding women. Now, I do completely get why Yvonne is so angry at Allison and fires her, and that no doubt contributed to Allison's extreme reaction to what she skim-read in the novel. The last thing Yvonne wants is a sex bomb in her home and office, and especially one that Robert quite pointedly has the hots for. 
One missing component of this story, well, Yvonne asked Noah and Allison to leave altogether. That's certainly a logical other shoe to drop. Meanwhile, the Cole story continues making a good case for him as his brother Scott's killer. So, who did it? Cole or Noah? You know what? Likely someone else. And we can certainly take Allison out of the mix. And for that matter, Scott's bed partner and almost Cole's either. By the way, I was interviewed about the affair by Bob Mann for his Let's Consider the Sauce on Sirius XM Insight Radio Channel 121 on Saturday, November 7th, 2015. And it was replayed on Sunday, November 8th uh, at 11 a.m. The Saturday show is 5 p.m. It's about 20 minutes into the 30-minute interview. If you have any access, I have no idea whether those shows are archived, but if you have a chance and can come across it, you might enjoy the interview. Let's move on to the next review of the next episode, The Affair 2.6. I entitle it The End of Noah's Novel. It was a really powerful episode 2.6 of The Affair last night with a major revelation. Noah has been having visions all season of driving down the lonely road on a dark, foggy night and hitting someone who suddenly appears out of nowhere. The candidate who first came to mind for who that is was Scotty, but the scene presumably was taking place in the present in Noah's mind, and Scotty, as we've seen, is still very much alive. So, was that vision not a recollection but a premonition? Could be, but that's a weak move in this tightly woven story. Now, recently, we've come to see that the person on the road in Noah's vision is Allison. But that made even less sense than Scotty. Certainly, Allison is still very much alive. And why would Noah have a premonition about killing her? Not to mention that she's still very much alive in the future, when Scotty is dead. Last night, we got a satisfying and provocative answer. What we've been seeing is Noah's subconscious or maybe he's totally aware of this, coming up with the ending Harry and he have been seeking for his novel. Harry hated the happy ending. He pushed Noah to come up with an ending that truly flowed from the story. And now we have it. It makes a lot of sense. Noah couldn't bring himself to kill Allison in his novel because he loves her too much in real life. So he papered over where the story was heading with a nice happy ending. Now that Allison has read pieces of the novel and professed not to like it, and also insists she won't read more, Noah's muse is free to do the right thing in his novel and kill the temptress, who is, quote, sex, unquote, personified. Yeah, that's a nice thing to be. But what does this say about how Noah really feels about Allison? He would no doubt say, if called on this new ending, that it's the characters acting on the lives Noah has given them, and not what Noah wants at all in his own real life. It looks in the vision that's now the end of the book that Allison appears on the road out of nowhere, which means Noah in the car didn't want to kill her, but Noah the author, while resisting that ending for a long time, 
did come up with it in the first place, right? And now has put it on paper. It's not surprising that Noah has some ambivalence about Allison. We've seen this all along, but it is a little shocking to see him articulate this so clearly in his new ending. Significantly, he types out the ending after Allison tells him she's pregnant. He loves her, but the baby provokes the part of him that still has mixed feelings, including anger, about his relationship with Allison. And Noah doesn't know that Allison has slept with Cole, which means the baby could be Cole's. I don't even want to think about what Noah would have put in his ending had he known about Cole sleeping so recently with Allison. Meanwhile, the ending provides an important piece of the puzzle of who killed Scotty. It's the reason the detective is suspicious of Noah, since Scotty, like Allison in Noah's novel, was killed in a hit and run. But likely, all of our major characters come to know about the ending of Noah's novel. It could have given any of them ideas, including Cole. Probably, it's a safe bet that Helen didn't kill Cole, though. She also had an excellent half hour of best so far, and I would have led this review at that had it not been for the dynamite at the end of Noah's narrative. Martin's medical crisis and Noah's response gets Helen to realize that Noah is a, quote, excellent father, unquote. She'll share custody, and she also sends her worst mother in the world packing a good idea. But back to Noah's ending, here's a wild idea. Could all the future scenes we've been seeing this and last season of Noah and Allison being questioned and Noah brought to trial, etc., all be parts of a sequel novel Noah has percolating away in his head? That would mean that this part of each of the now four characters' narratives we've seen so far is actually all Noah's. That's too crazy, right? The Affair 2.7, Stunner. Well, episode 2.7 of The Affair on earlier this evening was excellent in many ways, but the ending was a shocker that changes everything. Allison's Baby, along with Noah's book, has been one of the two prime radiants of this second season. At first, we thought the baby was Noah. Then, when Allison spent the night in Montauk with a loving Cole, this put Cole in position to be the possible father. And now, in the last minute of Cole's episode, we find the baby is Scotty's? Well, that's apparently what he says in the video uh, that they're watching, and Oscar says he overheard it, but when was the baby conceived? Did Allison go out to Montauk a second time and somehow find the time to sleep with Scotty as well as the night she was with Cole? Or perhaps before she connected with Cole or maybe after? And how would Scotty know the baby is his? Can DNA conclusively show that the baby was his, not Cole's? I'm not sure how this would work for brothers. But even so, How could Scotty have gotten the baby's DNA? Did Allison give it to him? In any case, this revelation, if it's true, blows the story wide open, though interestingly, Noah, 
who already had a motive to kill Scotty for impregnating his daughter, now has a much better motive. And Cole, who had reasons to hate Scotty, he now has a better reason, too, to hate him more. That's why I said almost changes everything. The only major character who previously didn't have a major reason to kill Scotty but now does is Allison. Could she be the killer? Meanwhile, back in present time, kudos to the writers for once again capturing perfectly what authors go through with their publications, this time grabbing the bio for Noah from his first book and sticking it on his red-hot novel, saying that Noah is married with kids and living in Brooklyn, much to Allison's embarrassment. You know, these kinds of mistakes happen with publishers all the time. And one of the appeals of controlling the publishing yourself on Kindle is that you can put in your own author bio. That's one of the things that I love about Kindle. I've had a bunch of books published by traditional publishers, and I've also published a bunch on Kindle. But I digress. Allison's baby is Scotty's? If that holds, we've been delivered one amazing twist. One thing I'm still not clear about, though, is whose perspective we see in the flash forwards. Noah's book clearly is his perspective, what we've seen in his narration, in contrast to what we see in Allison's narration, as their conversation about the novel beautifully portrays in tonight's episode. But Scotty's death, and indeed Allison's baby, and most of what we've seen this season, maybe everything, happens after the novel. Which means all bets are off about whose perspective exactly this is. And this makes the twist tonight even harder to fathom. A bolt indeed from the wild blue. Yonder or whatever is out there. The Affair 2.8, The Reading, The Review, The Prize. Another outstanding episode of The Affair 2.8 tonight, which has become the best show on cable television as far as I'm concerned these days. This hour, featuring half hours by Helen and Noah, was especially author-centric and, as always, right on the money about what happens inside and outside the author's mind. Noah gives a reading nicely, coincidentally, in the bookstore at Williams College, which Whitney and Helen are visiting as a possible college for Whitney. It's a good subplot. She doesn't want to go to college. She wants to be a model. But in a true author's touch, Noah invites Helen to the reading. This is exactly what a self-absorbed author would do. In Helen's version, she rolls her eyes and, of course, declines But, of course, she shows up anyway. He reads a passage about their relationship. My own wife correctly called Noah's deliberate choice of that passage because Helen was in the audience. I think my wife is right about that. And in Noah's version, we see him switching to that passage after he begins with another. Guess what that one was? It was a hot shower scene with Allison. Now, also in the audience is a student book reviewer, ah, there's always a student book reviewer somewhere, who has savaged Noah's novel in the student newspaper. Although Noah has otherwise been receiving rave reviews, this pan really nettles him. As my dear departed grandmother used to always say, 
If you stub one of your toes, the fact that your other nine toes are fine doesn't make that hurt toe feel any better. This captures exactly the way Noah and all authors feel about reviews of their books. Anything less than adulation hurts like that stubbed toe. The student reviewer also delivers the bad news that Noah has lost the Penn Faulkner Prize. Hey, I haven't read his novel, but from what I've heard of it on The Affair, I certainly would have voted for it. Noah, again unerringly typical of any writer, attributes his loss to reverse discrimination against a white male writer like himself. Meanwhile, surrounding this gem of an episode about the writerly life, we also get an important development in the bombshell that was released last week. Helen has a pacifier from Allison's baby, which she gives to Noah's lawyer. This will provide DNA and prove whether the baby is Scott's or Noah's. Again, as I mentioned last week, I don't know if the DNA would show if the baby is Cole's or Scott's. In any case, exciting times ahead on the affair. And in the meantime, here's a link to a reading I did of one of my novels on Burning Alexandria a few years ago. Alas, it didn't win the Penn Faulkner Prize either. And note to people listening to this podcast, I'll put the link in for that reading for you as well. The next episode, The Affair 2.9, Nameless Hurricane. A wild, nameless episode 2.9 of The Affair tonight with no segment named for Allison, Helen, Noah, or Cole, though they all got crucial screen time. And there was indeed a hurricane, the kind that closes down subways and highways, though that didn't have a name in this episode either. Actually, it did. Somebody told me its name after I posted this review. I'll tell you that at the end of the review. The happiest encounter was between Helen and the doctor who saved Martin. It's good to see Helen finally beginning to get a little happiness, especially because she's becoming more of an admirable character. Noah and Cole each had a terrible night in the storm for different reasons. Noah just can't get a break with Whitney to the point of seeing her in a sex den or a Playboy-like club. He's stoned and high and waiting to have sex with his publicist. And Whitney, well, with another girl. This happens right after Max interrupts Noah's promising negotiation with a Hollywood producer, now in New York who loves Noah's book and wants to make a movie out of it, albeit with a happy ending, which of course is the way Noah first wrote it. The parallel angst of Noah and Cole is an important part of the bigger story. Cole's narrative tonight looks at the beginning as if he would be like Helen, even better than Helen, and find some lasting happiness with his girlfriend. But her revelation that she can have children ends that, at least for the time being, and we leave Cole literally setting his house on fire. We know, of course, that Cole will get out of the house before it burns down totally. We saw him in the courtroom, certainly responding to Noah's predicament that was in the future. But the burning house, in effect, is the death of Cole's earlier life, presumably including Allison or presumably including his life with Allison. 
Now, this is significant because the scene with Allison having her baby shifts repeatedly to shots of Cole, not Noah, which strongly implies, as if we didn't expect it already, that Cole, not Noah, is the father of her baby girl. This points to the shocker in the episode before last, with Scotty telling Allison that the baby is, quote, ours, unquote, and it will be good to see this resolved, I hope, in the next three remaining episodes of this season. Powerful writing and acting continue to make the affair one outstanding piece of television drama. Now, getting back to the what I said about the hurricane not being named at the beginning, after I published that blog post review, Auntie Twitty, that's the name of this Twitter person's account over on Twitter, told me the hurricane was named on the radio at the beginning, Hurricane Alley, very appropriately named. I somehow missed that. Hey, that's what I get for not paying the rapt attention I should be to every single second of this great show. The Affair 2.10 meets in treatment. Another fine episode of The Affair tonight, 2.10, which ends in a cliffhanger about the results of the paternity test for Joni, even though it's got to be that the baby is Cole's. Which leads again to the big question of who ran down Scotty? Given the ambivalence that Noah has to being a father in a marriage with Allison, and being the, quote, good, unquote, not the, quote, great, unquote, guy, as he puts it, for more of which I'll say a little more later, it occurred to me that he now has about the least motive for permanently shutting Scotty up. If Scotty revealed that Cole, not Noah, was Joni's father, that might well give Noah precisely the license to leave Allison that a part of him certainly so much wants. Allison and Cole still remain the main suspects with Noah out of the scenario, but there could also be another. Louisa now also has a nice big motive. She would be very threatened by the knowledge that Cole is Joni's father, given that she can't have a baby and she knows how much Cole wants one. Would she kill Scotty to keep him quiet? It's hard to say because we don't yet know her well enough. But either she or someone else looking out for her interests can't be ruled out. Noah's segment with Marilyn the Shrink was excellent. A case of the affair meeting in treatment, which makes sense since Sarah Treem and Haggai Levy, or Levi, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, are producers of both great series. In treatment was on HBO, and obviously the affair is on Showtime. Noah is wanting to be a good family man, but not at the expense of being a great man, in his case, a great author, but which on his analysis comes with the trimmings of, quote, bending, unquote, an attractive graduate student over his desk, makes one of the best set pieces on the series, as Noah comes to realize this and spells it out in Marilyn's office. The 20 or so minutes provide about as good a probing as you'll get anywhere on television, or for that matter in the movies, about what it might personally take to make a big difference in the world. Significantly, Noah thinks it's either good or great, in contrast to Marilyn, who suggests that maybe, maybe you can have both, or maybe the two lifestyles have no intrinsic connection to greatness at all. 
Well, one thing is certain, just two more episodes left of this season. The Affair 2.11, Allison and Cole in Business. And an unexpected development in The Affair 2.11 last night, Allison and Cole are going into business together as joint owners of The Lobster Roll. Now, I get Cole's motivation, sort of. He wants to stay in Montauk. He's happy with Louisa. He sees no threat from Allison. But Allison's, I don't know, I don't get so much. Surely she sees that Noah will be threatened by this, as indeed he is, and all but tells her. And how could she be comfortable partnering in business with Cole after all they've been through? At this point... Allison surely knows Joni is Cole's, not Noah's. So is her motive for going into business with Cole that she's hoping they'll also be reunited as a couple and raise Joni together? That's certainly possible, but Allison doesn't overtly seem to want this, at least not as yet, either. Of course, what we saw of Allison was from Noah's point of view, which has always been insecure about how much Allison really wants him and the two of them as a couple. Since we didn't see Allison's point of view last night, we can't be sure what she was really thinking or feeling. Indeed, the glow she had about going into business with Cole, remember, was from Cole's point of view and so may not necessarily be hers either. But back to the killing of Scotty. As I said last week, I think Louisa now has to be considered a prime suspect. Scotty has come close to telling Cole what he knows. Should Louisa find out what Scotty knows, she would have a powerful motive to get rid of Scotty before he tells Cole that he's Joni's father. On the other hand, we may see Scotty spill the beans to Cole in the very next scene as he opens his eyes and talks in the car. We'll find out more next week. And my only regret is I wish that episode was on tonight. And here then is my review of the episode season two finale, which I entitled No One's Fault. A stunningly good finale to season two of The Affair on Showtime tonight, in which we finally find out who killed Scotty. Like in an Agatha Christie novel such as Murder on the Orient Express, it turns out that Scotty died from more than one hand. But unlike in Agatha Christie, none of the perpetrators intended to hurt Scotty, and his death was really none of their faults. Allison pushes Scotty out into the road where he's hit by the car, but she's doing this to fight Scotty off as he's trying to have unconsensual sex with her, that is, rape her. Helen, drunk, is the driver, but she didn't want to be driving in that condition. She was driving only because Noah, also drunk, gave Helen no choice. And even if she had been cold sober, there was likely no way she could have swerved out of the way and not hit Scotty, given that he was pushed right in front of her car. We finally learn the meaning of what Noah has been seeing in his dreams or visions all season. He has been seeing Allison on the road because he, in fact, saw her there on that fateful evening. Noah's character is also handled exceedingly well. For most of the season and most of tonight, he was a selfish, not very sympathetic character. But in the last scene, 
forced to choose between Helen, the mother of his children, and Allison, not the mother of his daughter, but someone he nonetheless truly loves. He chooses to save them both and confess to a crime he did not commit. Earlier in his 30-minute story, he's furious at Allison about her sleeping with Cole, the height of hypocrisy given that he twice was on the verge of sleeping with his pretty publicist, and didn't only because she pulled back the first time and poor Noah encountered his daughter the second time. But you couldn't ask for a better redemption than we saw at the end tonight. And I'm looking forward to season three next year in this one-of-a-kind drama that's unique on television. And P.S., one final point, Scotty deserves a big round of applause for his rendition of House of the Rising Sun. There is a house in New Orleans. Ah, powerful swan song for his character. The Light on Light Through podcast. Well, I hope you enjoyed those reviews of all the episodes of The Affair Season 2. First of all, I'll be back here next year with reviews of all of The Affair Season 3. But in between, I'll be having podcasts about all kinds of other topics. Recondite, arcane, nefarious, you name it. In the meantime... I'm Paul Levinson. Oh, I forgot once again, if you want to read the reviews of the affair, go to Infinite Regress. That's infinite, I-N-F-I-N-I-T-E-R-E-G-R-E-S-S dot TV. And you can just search for Paul Levinson's blog and find it that way also. So, hey, I'll be back here soon with another episode of Light On, Light Through. In the meantime, enjoy the premiere of Season 3 of The Affair. Athens, 2042 A.D. She ripped the paper in half then ripped the halves, then ripped what was left, again, into bits and pieces of history that could have been. Sierra Waters had read once that, years ago, it was thought that men made love for the thrill, while women made love for the sense of connection it gave them. Curled up with a good book says, Sierra Waters is sexy as hell. You can find out more about The Plot to Save Socrates by Paul Levinson at theplottosavesocrates.com. Paul Levinson spilled code about an ancient biotech war raging on in secret for centuries.